Well, we've been riveted, I think might be an appropriate word, over the past week or so as we've seen pictures or watched videos of what's happening as people try to escape the Taliban in Afghanistan. It's been kind of amazing to see people climb on top of buildings to get on helicopters or climb onto planes doing whatever they can to try and escape uh, as people have they know the reality really of what's coming and they try to escape it as this they know they either escape or they have to settle into this what might be described as a, a helplessness this long helplessness not knowing when death might come or what might come and we see in those situations people are willing to go to great lengths to escape that and that's not unique to Afghanistan we've seen that in other countries as well where anywhere the government's not what we might say for the people that people are either starting to leave or that they just settle into what might be described as that kind of helpless state no no hope this corrupt government and no real foreseeable change in the future right well the bible has has examples of this in it we see throughout the old testament there were examples of israel being invaded how whether it's the Syrians or the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Philistines, they would come, they would subjugate the people, harass the people, and the people would cry out to God to deliver them. And so they were what would rightly be described as in this helpless and harassed state. And then when we come to the New Testament, we see Jesus and the apostles teaching that this physical reality is also intertwined with a, a spiritual reality that not only is there evil dictators and wars in this world but there's also a a ruler of this world who oppresses and enslaves people and puts people in this helpless state and that's satan and so when we get these physical expressions of helplessness it's a reminder to us that that's not just something that happens somewhere in the world but really that spiritual helplessness is something that's common here in america as well as people who do not know the lord are in this kingdom of darkness as the bible would describe it and when people realize that it can either drive them to despair or it can drive them to escape and try to escape and so this morning we see this desire to escape harassment and helplessness as we see our passage this morning there are fields and fields of people as the bible describes it who are living in this kingdom of the world and here comes Jesus, and he shows them a better way, a way out. He has compassion on them and is able to deliver them out of this kingdom. And so if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to 
turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be in Matthew 9, starting in verse 35, going through chapter 10, verse 15. And so our passage this morning, starting in Matthew 9, 35, the word of the Lord says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The name of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without pay, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food and whatever town is or village you enter find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart as you enter the house greet it and if the house is worthy let your peace come upon it but if it is not worthy let your peace return to you And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Amen. May God open our eyes to see truth from his word this morning. So we see in this passage that Jesus has been traveling around, right? He's been proclaiming this good news that people can be a part of the kingdom of God. They can be delivered out of this kingdom of darkness, that they can escape their their helplessness, that they can be healed and receive the healing they need. And so Jesus goes and proclaims this, and crowds begin to follow him, right? Crowds, multitudes come. And there's really, it's almost like this phenomenon. There's this scientific term. It's called olfactory fatigue. I'm not sure if you know what that is. But it's when you smell something and eventually you smell it so much that you don't realize it's there. Your nose gets tired of smelling it. And so uh, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. If your house smells, well, eventually you just get used to it and it doesn't smell anymore. That's olfactory fatigue, right? Uh, This is the, the teenage boy who doesn't clean their room and play sports, so it always smells and you have to freshen it up because they don't realize that it smells. Right, So it's kind of like that with the crowds. They've been living in this world of sorrow. Well, that's just how life is, and they've gotten used to it. Right? They've been living in this 
darkness, and sin. Well, that's just how life is. And so they got used to it. But here comes Jesus with this message of hope, this message of deliverance, that they can be healed, that they can have what they truly need. And then when they're exposed to something else, this new smell, so to speak, this aroma of Jesus, they realize where they've been at and they realize what they need. And so they start to follow him. And so Jesus looks at them. He sees this crowd following him. And you see what it says. It says he had, when he saw the crowds, verse 36, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. This is what Jesus is like. Jesus sees us, not just these crowds, but everyone. He sees us in our helpless state, our state of being harassed and hopeless and just wandering about like sheep without a shepherd. And he has compassion on us. He doesn't turn away from us. He realizes that we need the truth. We need his message. We need deliverance. And so he comes to us and he gives us that. He, he declares to us this good news of how we can be a part of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus not only does this, but he tells his disciples to do this as well. As he's talking to the disciples, he doesn't, well, he really tells them how to think about people. Right? So this is the famous passage where Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, Jesus is describing this harvest as these people who are wandering about. This is the harvest. They're, they're in this hopeless, helpless state. This is the harvest. Jesus tells his disciples, look around. The harvest is plentiful. There are crowds of these people, but the laborers are few. Jesus has compassion on them. And so he tells the disciples, therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And we really need to spend some time thinking about that phrase. There are fields and fields of people who need the Lord. And so Jesus says, pray. Pray. When we look around our city or our world and we see people who need the truth of Jesus, they need the healing that only Jesus can bring, we should pray. It should drive us towards prayer. If we look around and we see that truly we will not accomplish this, if we were just to go out into the field and just start picking the corn, we would never make it through one row by the time Jesus comes back, right? We cannot do this on our own. We need others to help. We need the help of the Lord, and we need the help of others. So Jesus says to pray. He says to pray to the Lord of the harvest. And that wording's important. We're praying to the Lord of the harvest. This is his harvest, right? He's the one who owns the field, who knows what it's going to take to get these crops in. And so we pray to him. We know it's what he wants to harvest this crop. And so we pray to him and ask him to send workers who will be able to do this. We really, we can get some assurance from that. 
that these prayers that we're making to God, they're not falling on deaf ears, that this is what he wants. And as we pray this, we can know that he hears this prayer and is pleased by it. And so we pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. Again, we can't do this on our own. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need other people in this. It's a monumental task. Uh, The International Mission Board, which is the mission sending agency of Southern Baptists, they, they estimate that there are currently less than well, they describe an unreached people group in this way. An unreached people group is where there's less than 2% of people in the whole population, the whole group, who know of Jesus, who have believed. And so they describe this, that currently there are 4,644,000 people living in unreached people groups. So that's not the total number of non-Christians in the world. That's the total number of people in areas where there's really no, there's really no one to tell them about Jesus. There's less than 2% who believe and know the Lord. And so that's, that's a massive number. The, the harvest is plentiful. There are countless and countless people who need the Lord. And so... If this is to be done, it will require laborers in this work. And so it takes missionaries. It takes missionaries. We pray to God to send out missionaries into the world to spread the good news among people who've never heard it. And maybe that means that we need to pray for that, that God would send missionaries. And then maybe God's calling us. He's wanting us to go tell someone about Jesus. Maybe in a group of people who have never heard him before. What an amazing thing it would be as a church to be able to send out missionaries. That's a prayer of mine. I would encourage you to pray like that, that we as a church would be able to send out a missionary over the next few years or so. The work takes pastors, it takes missionaries, it takes pastors who equip people to go out and do the work. And so similarly, pray for this, that the Lord would raise up pastors to equip workers in this task. Pray that every Christian would be a part of this task, because it's not just for Uh, the quote-unquote professionals, right? The missionaries who go, that's their job, right? It's not just for the the pastor, that's their job, but really Jesus gives this to every Christian. He says, go and make disciples, and that's not just something given to the apostles, that's given to every Christian. In 1 Peter, the Bible says this, that you, this is all Christians, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so both collectively as a church and individually, we are called to this task to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to proclaim the lights of God. And so this harvest takes all of us. You might have noticed in the past, 
I don't know if you picked up on it. You'll notice it today because I'm saying it. But I end every service by saying, you are dismissed and sent out. And that kind of language comes from this. It's a reminder to us, even if it's just being built into us, that we're sent out by God into this harvest. It's not just for one of us. It's for all of us. As we go out, we're sent out to do this work. It takes all of us. And so we pray that God would send out labors into his harvest. And then notice in our passage this morning, we pray and then Jesus, it's almost as though Jesus is answering that prayer immediately. He, right after this, saying this, he gathers the 12 to him and then he sends them out. So we, it's like he tells them to pray and then he sends them out as though he's answering the prayer right then. Right? He sends them out into the harvest. And that's really what all of chapter 10 is about. Chapter 10 is about preparing the disciples for what this work is going to be like. What are you going to face? How you should prepare for this work of the harvest. And so we can look at chapter 10. We'll look at part of it this morning and the rest next week. But Jesus, he makes the several statements about what we should expect. What should we expect? This is a work for all of us. How should we prepare ourselves? How should we think about this task? He says, Jesus says, start with the people around you. Right in verses 5 and 6, he talks about don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Go to the, the people of Israel. Right? He'll send, those, he'll send them to the other people soon. It's not like he's excluding them, but he's telling them, start right here where you're at. Right? And so there are, there are people around us right now who need to know Jesus. Right? There are people we know, we, we try to make it a habit to pray for this on Sunday nights about people we know who need the Lord. And there are people in our lives, not just are they in our lives, but God has put us in their lives as a way for them to hear this message, to hear about Jesus. And so Jesus says, start where you're at. Who do you know who does not know the Lord? Pray for them. How can we talk about God or share the gospel with them? Jesus says, this is the message you should speak as you go out. You saw the disciples, they, they really said the same thing Jesus did. In verse 7, they proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus has been saying this whole time. right? Jesus has come. He's the king. We must submit and follow him. He forgives us from sin. He delivers us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, we must follow him. That's their message. It's, it's like it's so close, it's at hand. You can just reach out and believe it and take hold of it. It's right here. And so that's their message. That's our message as well. Jesus, you'll notice, Jesus gave the disciples this authority to cast out demons as well, to, to heal, to do these miracles. Well, that was something specific to them. Jesus doesn't give us that authority, but he does give us this same authoritative message that he gave to these disciples. The same message that they proclaimed is what Jesus tells us to proclaim. Go and make disciples. And so this gospel message, this is our message. As we're going into the work, this is the message that will reap a harvest. 
It's this message of Jesus and his kingdom coming. Jesus says that God will provide. God will provide for his laborers. We shouldn't expect to get rich off this work. We shouldn't expect to have uh, a life free of difficulty. But we can trust that God will take care of us, that, that Jesus will give us what we need in this task. And in line with that, he says, freely you have received, this is verse 9, freely you have received, verse 8, freely give. Right? We know that phrase, freely you have received, freely give. Well, that's in light of God preparing us, giving us all we need to share this message so we should freely share what God has given us with other people. That's a principle that applies to a lot. But it especially applies as we go out into the harvest. Don't keep this message to yourself. You have received this gift. Share it with others. And finally, Jesus, he prepares his disciples for what they're going to face. He says not everyone's going to receive this message. Some will accept it. Some will reject it. That's what he's talking about when he talks about going to a village, finding a place to stay, finding somewhere where they'll accept you, right? And if they don't accept you, well, shake the dust off and move on. He says some people will receive this message, but some people will not. And so as you go into the harvest, remember that our task is not getting people to respond a certain way, but is to share the message, is to go about the work. In other words, being faithful in the harvest is not converting people, but is sharing the message. When God sends us into the field, we're laboring to proclaim this message. But we remember it's, it's his field, right? We can't save people. He must save people. And so we proclaim the message, and we trust that he does work when we proclaim his word. But we also know that not everyone responds to this message and that's a response to God. And so we as his workers are called to be faithful, to not be discouraged when people reject the word, but to remember that this is what we are called to do, to proclaim this message. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. So we need to pray, pray for more workers to go into the harvest. We need to not just pray, but then we, we go work as well. Right, we work in the harvest. But there's one word that we didn't touch on, and we need to look at it as we close. It says to pray earnestly. Earnestly. We pray earnestly. The harvest is plentiful. It's massive. It's a massive task. It's hard to not look at the world and see people wandering and helpless and hopeless. Right? It's a massive task. It should drive us to pray earnestly. That Jesus had this compassion for people, this desire for these crowds to be delivered. And so in our life, there is, we realize that there's life and death at stake. We realize that this matters for the people around us, for our co-workers, our classmates, for our neighbors, our families. Right? We look and we see the harvest is still plentiful and there is much work to be done and we cannot do it, but we need God to do work. We need him to answer this prayer. 
We need him to answer the prayer for our families, for our church, for our city, for the world. We need him to send out workers into the harvest. To declare this message that there is only healing and deliverance and truth in Jesus. And so that is what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to pray. And so this morning, as we have a time of response, we always don't want to just be doers or hearers of the word. We don't just want to be hearers. We want to be doers of the word, right? We can, we can do exactly what Jesus has said. Harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. So pray earnestly. So this morning, instead of what we usually do, I like... Donald, if you'll just kind of play, but I'd like to spend some time, a couple minutes in prayer, just us individually, where we're at, praying to God to send out workers into the harvest, missionaries, pastors, us, to our neighbors, to our friends across the world, to pray that God would send people out into the harvest. This is what we need, and so let's pray earnestly for it as our time of response. Let's respond to the Lord this morning by praying, spending a couple minutes in prayer for this.